So welcome to Missing Bits, the podcast for amputees. Um, we have with us today Kylie Franson. Kylie was born with a congenital upper, la- upper limb difference. And as a background in the not-for-profit sector, Kylie has also run diversity programs in schools for many years and has been a peer support volunteer with Limbs for Life since 2010. Kylie is the mum of Jacob and Mitch and is married to Kyle, which I'm sure can, can, can confuse some people. I'm assured that Kyle is fully armed. Hi, Kylie, and welcome. Tell me about being fully armed. <laughs> Hello. Um, thank you for having me. Um, yes, my husband is fully armed, um, and I don't know much about being fully armed, actually. But, uh, yeah, recently my, my physio, um, I just got a new physio, and we were talking about my limb difference. And I'm not even really sure how it came up. And um, we were talking about my husband and he wasn't quite sure how to ask. And he said, is your husband, um, is he fully armed? <laughs> that, that, that threw me a bit. Um, no one's ever really asked that before. So, yeah, that was a bit strange. I'm not sure, um, you know, if people think that maybe we have our own, like, special amputee dating sites or something that we choose other amputees. But Well, we won't um, talk about those ones. They're a bit... Um, they're a bit um... he's, yeah, we won't talk. Yeah, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, that's no, not what this podcast is about, ladies and gentlemen. No. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, he is fully armed. <laughs> Something I don't know anything about. So where did you grow up? Yeah. Um, I grew up firstly in, in Adelaide, in South Australia, um, probably until about grade six. And then my parents divorced. And we moved to the country, to Wallaroo, uh, which is on the York Peninsula. So um, I grew up there until, like, after high school. And then it's, you know, kind of normal for people to to grow up and, and move back to the city, back to the big smoke for work and stuff like that. So, yeah. What was it like growing up on the York Peninsula? It was good, actually. Um yeah, I think it, it was really good. And I I was the only person that I knew of on the York Peninsula with a limb difference. So um, it was it was a shock moving from there, you know, coming down to Adelaide and then all of a sudden it was time to look for work and that sort of thing. Um, and I'd never really considered myself to, to have a disability or to be very different. Everyone up there kind of just, you know, they went, yep, okay, cool, it is what it is and got on with it. And then all of a sudden I moved down here and, you know, people were sort of treating me differently and I'd apply for jobs and, you know, wouldn't get them. And, um, yeah, to the point that even, you know, people would, would make up stories or, you know, say that jobs didn't exist. Um, and, yeah, that, so I thought that was a bit a bit strange. Like, why are all these people all of a sudden, you know, treating me like I'm, like I'm a disabled person? That, that was not something that I'd ever um, felt. So. Yeah, but it, but it was good growing up in the country and, um, you know, it's a beach town, so I spent lots of time in the water. Um, yeah, it was good. Pretty boring sometimes, but good. Cool. What's, what sort of student were um, Probably I Probably the class clown, I would say. Um, I think a lot of that was, you know, that was my way of coping. Um, was just, you know, always being a bit smart and, and a bit cheeky. Um, and, yeah, often got in trouble. <laughs> um, probably spent 
actually most of most of grade seven, I think I spent um, in the office <laughs> at school for different reasons. Um, yeah, and then and then sort of grew up a bit, you know, in high school. Um, but I was I was like yeah you know, I was a straight A student, um, but just yeah a bit cheeky as well. So and, and often used um, you know sarcasm and dark humour. I guess to, um, yeah, I don't know to take the spotlight away from my indifference. I suppose I think it took me a long time to figure out that's what it was. But yeah, <laughs> that was me. Um, it was easier to tell people that you know that my arm got um, bitten off by a shark down How the beach. How that story? Yeah, or sometimes you know if if there was little kids and I thought they were being a bit rude, you know, sort of, what happened to your arm? Sometimes I'd say, well, I was actually being really smart and I was talking to people really rudely and so my mum just ripped it off. Um, that one didn't didn't usually go down well. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it sort of depends on what, what mood I was in on the sure. day, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty much the same growing up with mine. I, I pulled out all the stories. I remember once when we were at the um, swimming pool in Footscray and my, I was there with my brother and someone approached him to ask what happened to my leg. And he told them that I lost it in the Boer War, which um, <laughs> that ended up being, he, he was he was pretty much dunked in the pool by this guy who was much bigger than he was. <laughs> it was. It was pretty funny. So a lot of, a lot of upper limb, um, people with upper limb differences don't wear prosthetics very often. How, how did you go at school? Yeah, I was I was one of those people that didn't wear prosthetics very often. Um, all the prosthetics that I had, uh, I think I had one. My first one, I was probably about ten months old, um, and I remember my I don't remember anything about it, but my mum telling me um, that I was just learning to walk. And back then, they were really really big, heavy, you know, metal hooks. Yeah, um, and that it. it yeah, and it used to pull me down all the time while I was trying to, you know, learn to walk. And I'd often cut myself, you know, land on it and cut myself. Yep. Um, yeah, so that um, that just got disappeared. That just got put away in the wardrobe and that was that. And I think, you know, my parents sort of saw that I just, you know, found a way of doing most things without one, which is pretty common, you know, yep. for upper limb people. Yeah. Um, and then I, I don't think I had another one until probably about grade four, um, and that was that was a cosmesis, which you know it, it didn't do anything. It was yep. you just put it on, and I and I remember you know this big velcro bit around the top. Um, it was very lifelike. I remember them. You know, I remember going in, and they they would match my my skin colour um, and make it look a lot like my other hand. But it, it didn't do anything apart from that you could bend the fingers. Yep. Um, and that one that came to school a handful of times. Uh, I remember the kids in my class because I, I guess I was used to leaning on my on my stump or my my residual limb. I've got different things. I'd call it my little arm. Yes. Um, so I would lean on. You know, I was used to leaning on that. So I'd actually take the prosthetic off when I was riding at the desk because it just it got in the way. Um, and the other kids, I remember them bending the fingers so that this thing was giving the finger, just sitting on the desk <laughs> like that. Uh, that I just pick it up and put it back on and didn't even know and then get in trouble for it. Um, 
Yeah, Kids are great. So I think, I, yeah, I know. They're good, aren't they? They're, just, they're funny <laughs> like that. Um, I didn't really like it. I think the teachers didn't like it. Um, and all of a sudden coming to school with this thing on where I'd never worn one before, you know, it attracted a lot of attention. So, um, again, my way of dealing with that was, oh, hey, you know, everybody look how funny this thing can be. And I put it on, but I left it undone at the top. And then I tucked my other arm up in my sleeve and I found a teacher out on yard duty that wasn't my teacher, you know, wasn't very familiar with me. And I said, oh, man, this arm's really itchy, like it's, it's killing me. So can you just pull that for a minute? And I thought it came off. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of trouble for that one. And my mum, you know, had to come down to the school and we had to talk about, you know, how that was not appropriate. Um, Did yeah, you go home and that laugh? didn't last long. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those situations where, you know, mum was trying really hard to, you know, to discipline me and, you know, in front of the, the principal to do that. Listen, now, Kylie, that's not appropriate. And then, you know, get home and dad was like, oh, that's glorious. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Um, yeah, so that, that didn't last long um, sure. at school or anywhere. It kind of got put away because it, 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 it wasn't functional. So it didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Yep. What about teenage years and body image? I mean, I, I, growing up with my leg, I had some issues with body image, but I always used to sit back and think, well, thank God I'm not a girl because that would be terrible. Yeah, yeah, it is hard. And I think I think teenage girls, like teenage girls are foul, aren't they, without, you know, all that added baggage? Sure. Um, I know I was. Um, yeah, so it, it was hard. Um, I remember, you know, my my mum always sort of we grew up, um, I guess not not in cotton wool, um, and and my mum would say to me, you know, there's always somebody worse off. Like, don't you know? Like, feeling sorry for yourself was just not an option in my house. Yeah. Um, it was no. There's just always somebody worse off. You know, do you want to do you want to go down to the local children's hospital and have a look around there, and you know, we'll find someone worse than you. Um, so it was not, you know, not in a mean way. She was, she was a really good mum, I swear. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we were brought up, you know, to be pretty resilient and just, you know, it is what it is and just, you know, make the best of it. Um, but yes, high school, definitely, especially, you know, around that whole, oh, you know, no boys will, will want to go out with me. Yep. Um, yeah, it, it was hard. And I, I remember, like I so said, I grew up in a, you know, it was a, it was a beachside town. Um, going to high school was hard because you'd go into the next town, which is like it's only 10 k's down the road, but um, kids from all over from different schools would all go to this high school. So, you know, you'd just gotten used to your group, I guess, in primary school, and then you go off to this big high school and there's all the other kids there from the peninsula that you don't know. Um, and it was summer, obviously, starting school, and I would we I was wearing like long sleeves long sleeve shirts and jumpers and things, you know, trying to cover it up. And, and I remember being at the canteen once and and another, like a year 11 or 12 girl, you know, saying, why is she wearing that jumper? You know, it's ridiculous. It's so hot. You know, everyone knows she's only got one arm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that for me, then I was like, oh, okay, I'm not really, I'm not fooling anybody here, so I might as well just um, you know, not worry about it. So, But, yeah, it's, it's a lot easier said than done, definitely. Absolutely. Or sort of, you know, trying to cover it up or, yeah, yeah. I, um, it was awkward. I went to an all-boys high school, um, which was fine. Um, boys can't be quite as bad. Well, they are bad at times, but they're not as bad as girls, I think, teenage girls. Um, yeah. Um, and 
excuse me, that we um every year we used to have a a, a dance with um the local girls' school. Um, so it was the only time that the boys and the girls ever got together. Um, yeah. And um, my my left hand for for those who don't know, my left hand isn't really great. Um, it's only got two fingers and. I'm missing some muscles in my forearm and stuff, so it's fairly useless. Um, well, we went to this dance, and um, they, we all got paired up with girls from the, the local girls' school. And um, the the first time a girl reached out and took my hand, she screamed. Oh. Absolutely yeah. screamed at the top of her lungs, and it did my confidence the world as good as you can imagine. Oh, Absolutely. Oh, yes, I had a um, an, an incident like that, actually, just thinking about it. Um, primary school, gee, I would have been young. Um, calisthenics. I wanted to try calisthenics. Yep. And, you know, right or wrong, I was doing it, and thinking back now, I can see why mum was probably sort of going, oh, do you want to try something different instead? <laughs> no, no, I've got all these kids are doing this calisthenics thing that looks cool, so I want to do it. So. Yeah, down we go to Calstank, and the first thing they did, everybody get in a circle and hold hands. Yep. And the girl next to me looked at me, screamed, well, that was it. Yep. Calisthenics can get nicked. <laughs> I'm never going <laughs> back there again. I hate everybody who does calisthenics. Yeah, so that, yes, I absolutely have, have been in that situation, yeah. So speak, kids, speaking of yes, calisthenics, um, how were you involved in sports? Oh, sports. Um Growing up, um, not a lot. I I would avoid it like the plague. So, you know, when other girls were playing netball and things like that, um, I I would I'd go along and play. Back then it was called summer night netball, you know, like a social netball thing, sure. um, mixed netball, because that was, you know, that was more of a joke. So I, I didn't feel as bad about that, you know, because there was no pressure to actually be good at netball. Um, so I did that. Um, you know, in my teenage years, and, and that was about it. Um, I used to do so sports days. I would I would avoid lots of things other than like all the throwing events because um, obviously my so my right arm was was you know a lot stronger probably than most kids that age because it did you know twice the work. Um, so coincidentally, like I sort of found out by accident that I was good at you know shot put and discus and things like that. Sure. Um, so I'd do a bit of that, um, and then mostly, you know, it was just swimming. Um, I used to ride motorbikes uh, growing up in the country, um, which was – it was all fairly normal. I, you know, I just remember my father saying that because I had to have an automatic motorbike so it didn't have a clutch, you know, my parents would complain because they were more expensive. Yeah. Um, but that was about it. Um, yeah, and then probably – I don't know how many years ago, probably in 2014 – um, or maybe 2013, I just decided that, you know, I would I would look into para-sports. Um, I had been offered, uh, like, a place in the state um, athletic team when we were younger uh, through sports days and the shot put and that sort of thing because we happened to have a relief teacher who um, was the coach or the assistant coach or something for the state um, para team here and asked if, you know, if I wanted to be involved and, you know, you're really good at it. And then I just said no straight away because there was no way. I thought, you know, I'd go to so much trouble to try and hide this, you know, this difference, this disability, 
um, there was no way I was going to join, you know, a para team because I thought that's crazy. That's just, you know, drawing attention to it. Um, so I avoided that. And then, yeah, like in 2013, um, you know, I had I had a couple of kids and thought, oh, I want to get fit and do something. So I went to a Paralympic um, a come and try session where you get to try lots of different sports um, and had a go at everything and ended up doing the one thing that I didn't try that day, which was cycling. Um, they sort of sent me out to the, to the velodrome here in Adelaide and said, you can go out and meet the para coach out there and have a go. Um, and I'd ridden bikes before, like, you know, mountain bikes and BMX bikes, but nothing nothing like that. Um, yeah, so then um, I just got hooked on that pretty quickly um, and ended up having to get a special prosthetic made for the bike um, and have, you know, different adjustments and things done to my bike. Uh, and I, I did that for probably, probably about three years, I think, um, and competed, like, in nationals, so I did um, like the indoor stuff, track, uh, the velodrome, and then did um, road as well because we, we had to do both, um, and always preferred track. I didn't like the road very much, too many dogs and weather and stuff like that on the road. Weather, yeah. Isn't it funny yeah. how the wind's always yeah. in your face? It is, it is. No yeah, matter which yep, direction so, you go, it's always in your face. No, no, yeah, that's right. Yes, we used to do, um, we'd have these time trials that, you know, that we always had to do them and they were sort of along the along the beach down here, like at Semaphore and Outer Harbour and it was just, I think it was 17 k. so it was just, you know, you'd go so far one way, turn around and go back and, and everybody would say the same thing. It's just you would have a headwind all the way and then yep. turn around and get a headwind all yeah. the way back. It's just, um, it's just yeah, like a rule. yeah. It is, it is, yeah. So I know I was never much for the road. I, I didn't like it at all. So a lot more on the track. And then I, um, after a few years, um, I started to have issues uh, with my hip actually on the same side, which made it, you know, pretty difficult to keep cycling. So, sure. yeah, had to give it up. Hmm. So when, when you left school, what sort of jobs were you looking at to do? Oh, um, anything really. Um, during year 11, I did, um, I don't know what they call it now, like a vet course or something, I suppose. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, in, in my family, um, my father was a mechanic and, and was always, he doesn't do it anymore, but, um, or he was like a, um, a service manager at Suzuki in the city here, um, and I decided back then that I was going to be a mechanic. I think it was because it was one of those, you know, girls can't be mechanics and you can't be a mechanic if you've got one hand especially. So that to me was like a red rag to a ball. Yes. Um, yeah, so I did – during year 11, um, I did this, this set course where I would – every Wednesday I didn't go to school. Um, I would go to the local Holden dealership and work there for the day instead, okay. servicing cars and whatever. Um yeah, so but I, I sort of got to the end of that and realised just how hard that work is um, and how hot it gets in a shed, you know, when it's 40 degrees outside and you're on the inside of the shed in overalls, um, it's hot and it's awful. So, um, yeah, quickly sort of swallowed my pride on that one and thought, no, that's not what I want to do. Um, and then I ended up doing um, – I got a traineeship as a pharmacy assistant. So ended up doing that, which was – 
the polar opposite. <laughs> kind of. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because they're very, you know, like, oh, you, you should wear wear makeup, you know, you, you should, and because I, I was always you know, a bit of a tomboy, you should wear the makeup you're selling, and you should, you know, you need to wear stockings and high heels, and that was so not me. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was really odd, uh, but I did it, you know, and I liked it. Um, yeah, and, and had lots of lots of different jobs. Um, I worked uh, worked at Big W for a while. Um, and I remember the when I had an interview and stuff, we're talking with the woman. Now I said I'll do anything except go on the checkout. Like to me, being on the checkout was like being on display all day, you know, for people to look at you and yeah. you know and judge how slow you were doing things. Um, and she was just the loveliest woman, and she said, "You know what? No, we, I'm going to put you on there because I think you'll actually do really well at it." Um, yeah, so so I did I did go on the checkout and did that for a while, and you know it was okay. I liked it. Um, yeah, and then uh, hospitality stuff um, went away and worked at places like Wapina Pound, um, so just doing you know housekeeping, working in the shop, and living on site, that sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds fairly diverse. A bit of everything, really. Yes, yeah, yeah, a bit of everything. Yep. Um, you know, bar work. Yeah, all sorts. Where did you meet Kyle? Yep. I met Kyle at cycling, actually. Um, he was, um, he sort of volunteered his time because he's, you know, we've established he's fully armed and legged and everything. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I met him through the para program, um, but he'd actually just volunteered because he was, um, I guess, you know, an elite cyclist, you know, an A-grade cyclist. Um, he volunteered to be part of the para program and pilot on the front of a tandem bike. So we had people in our team who were vision impaired. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, they had a tandem bike and the person on the front was the pilot and then the vision impaired person on the back was called the Stoker. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he piloted tandems for, for quite a while out there. So we knew each other for, you know, probably a year or so. Um, yeah, and that was where we met, just hanging out at the track all the time. Excellent. Riding bikes. Yeah. How did having kids change your life? Oh, um, I don't think I've ever been so tired in my life. I don't think you ever get not tired <laughs> after you have kids. Um, yeah, it was um, obviously it was the best thing I ever did. Like I, you know, I, I would never change it for anything. Um, I was a little bit scared the first time round, thinking, you know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to change nappies and whatever? But I thought, yeah, I knew that that I'd pretty quickly figure out a way to do it because I'd done it with everything else all my life. So yep. you know, why would that be any different? Um, and I had a really good, a really good GP. We, we were in living in Wallaroo still because I'd moved back again. Everyone goes back and forth from there. Um, and we we're living back in Wallaroo, and we had a really good, a really good GP who had said to me, you know, you can have this baby, and then you can stay in hospital for as long as you like, like just move into the hospital, um, you know, so that there's nurses here to help you with bathing and changing nappies and all that stuff, and you don't have to go home until you know, until you feel really, really comfortable. Um, so I really only stayed for, you know, probably a week afterwards. Sure. Um, but it was just good to know that, you know, that I wasn't being pushed out of hospital and, and sent home, yeah. you know, being nervous, doing things. Yeah. 
yeah, and everything from there, I just kind of, you know, figured out how to do stuff. And, As you do. Yeah. 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 And they're just, you know, you just have just normal, normal life and kids and their dramas and, yeah. <laughs> I have to. I have to ask you about working with Cuby. Ah, oh, um, yes, I, I have done some work with Cubic. Um, Cubic Defence. Um, they're an organisation. They contract to the Defence Force. Right. Um, and they help them with their uh, with their training and um, you know security and things like that. Um, I don't know. You know, it's all G14 classified. What, <laughs> they didn't tell us that much. Um, yeah, but I uh, I saw some, one of my friends on Facebook who is um, also an amputee put a post on Facebook saying that this cubic was looking for staff. They were looking for people with amputations or limb differences um, to help with their medic training to basically go and you know, be sent to different places around Australia um, and sort of get all dressed up, uh, you know, as though you'd been in an explosion or... You oh, know, so you're a victim. ...scenario. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, like that, of all the jobs I'd had, which have been heaps, that was definitely the coolest, the coolest one. That was, yeah, definitely the, the most fun job. Um, and they actually pay you to do it, which is crazy. Wow, what? Um, yeah, so they, I, first I thought, it's like, it can't be real. Surely that's a joke. Um, no, and I contacted them and they said, no, you just have to, you know, you have to have an amputation or a limb difference. You know, you've got to be physically fit um, because you might spend periods, um, which they weren't joking, uh, you know, like out just left out in the bush without <laughs> in the weather for like a whole day. Um, yeah, and the first, the first job that I had, uh, I think, was in Albury. And we, we went out there. They... Uh, you know, they put us up in a in a hotel and said, okay, this, you know, someone will pick you up, whatever, in the morning. Um, and it was really cool. We we went out. Um, they sort of, you know, they have a lot of land sort of out the back, um, uh, like of the barracks. And we went out there and they had this, this big scenario set up and they brought in, you know, cars from the wrecker and, and that sort of thing. Um and I think for the first one, I think I had to be, I had to play an Afghan woman with a baby. I had a little doll as well. Um, and I had a little controller that could make the baby cry or stop crying. Wow, wait. Um, yeah, and they, they, they took me into this room where they had what was called the moulage team. And it was these two lovely ladies and they, they had all this silicon and... Um, they called it jam or jelly, you know, this stuff that looks like blood and they had just all this fake, you know, blood and guts and gore. And, um, yeah, they, they made my arm up to look as though, you know, it was very realistic to look as though it had just been blown off. Um, you know, you're at the marketplace and then, um, you know, a, a car gets blown up or a suicide bomber comes in or whatever it was that day. Um, yeah, and then all these explosions would go off and then it was my job to just scream. Um, and scream a lot. Um, That's fantastic. And then the soldiers, yeah, well, the soldiers were being trained and they actually didn't know, like they had no idea, you know, what they were, what they were walking into. Um, and so they just sort of being trained, you know, that they pair up and they, they have to get a victim and drag them off and, you know, do all these different things to treat them. And, um, yeah, while, while they were treating us, um, there were people there from care flights and, um, 
and different. I think there was another another organisation, um, and like their you know their seniors, and they would stand over and assess them, you know, and sure. time them on different things they were doing, and yeah, so that was that was really interesting, and I, and I met lots of lots of really cool people. Um, we'd get bruised a fair bit. Um, bit of an occupational hazard, but um, yeah, apart from that, it was just lots of fun, and we just got really dirty and yeah. Sounds like <laughs> a blast. Around in the bush a bit. Yeah, it was. It was really cool. I really loved it. And then, unfortunately, um, I think the last job that I went on, they bought this um, this big like a mannequin, and you could program him, you know, to do all these different things. He could bleed from everywhere and cry and have all these broken bones and whatever. So I guess it was, um, you know, it was cheaper for them to sort of cart that guy around because they didn't have to feed him or <laughs> put him up in a hotel. So yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, shame. But it was lots of fun. So what's next for Kylie? Oh, my goodness. I really don't know. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm having a bit of a midlife crisis at the moment, to be honest. Um, <laughs> um, I would just uh, keep working for Limbs for Life. I, I really like what I do, you know, helping other other amputees and people with a limb difference. Yep. Um just, you know, giving advice and, yeah, helping helping them get things sorted. Um, and I don't really know. Just, yeah, sort of considering, you know, maybe getting back into a different sport. Like I wouldn't mind trying. There are things like archery and some, some things like that but that I wouldn't mind having a go at. Um, I certainly don't like getting bored, that's for sure. So as soon as I start to think, mm, you know, I haven't got much going on, I'm a bit bored, I sort of look for a new... A new project, so yeah, looking for something soon. The boys are, um, you know, my kids are nine and eleven now, so they're kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say self-sufficient, but you know, <laughs> they're pretty independent. Yeah. Um, Heading for high school. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One goes into high school next year. Yep. So I know. I feel like they're, they're growing up, and um, yeah. Yeah, from from my own so experience, anymore, so. from my own experience with kids going into high school, it changes your life again. Yeah. Okay. So it's mm. it's different again. Your different, kids grow yeah, up. Yeah. Your kids grow up a bit more, and they grow up very fast. Yeah, it's just so I know. Even thinking about high school, I'm like, gee, we're almost at the end of this year, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's going to be next year, and one of them's actually going to be in high school, which is yep. crazy. And then before I know it, the other one will be there. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> it, it all happens very quickly. Definitely. So before we finish up, what I've been asking people is, um, is some words of wisdom. Um, we've, we've got hopefully thousands and thousands of listeners to this program. More likely there's hundreds. But any sort of words of wisdom you can offer or a life motto that someone might take on board? Oh, you know, what? probably a motto that I live by, um, which was always said to me by my cousin who unfortunately passed away, um, she always used to say to me, you just got to keep on keeping on. Yep. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's something we always say in our house um, because, you know, there's, like my youngest has kidney disease and, you know, there's always something happening in this house and we kind of just go, no, you know, you just got to keep on keeping on. So, um yeah, I think, and I think, you know, attitude um, just plays such a huge role in everything. Um, you know, if you if you have a good attitude about things and, you know, as crap as they, things can be sometimes, um, yeah, if you just, you know, get through it and um, with a good attitude and I think um, humour helps a lot too. It does. <laughs> um, 
dark or otherwise, yeah, look, you know, whatever you've got to do to get through. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's yeah. that's very simple advice, but very very important, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think you just yeah you just have to do what you got to do to just get through it and get on with it. And you know that's always been I guess my attitude is okay. Things come up and yeah, it's a bit tricky, but all right, we'll just get on with it and yeah, work through it and and then deal with the next thing that comes up. Absolutely. Mm. So thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. And thanks for being so open and honest and contributing to our continuing story. Not a problem. Thank you very much. Thanks for your great work. Ah, oh, it's a pleasure. I don't I don't know that it's great work yet, but we'll see what comes of it. It will be. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Have a great night. All right. No worries. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to Missing Bits, the podcast for amputees and non-amputees. We don't discriminate here. If you like what you've been listening to, please download, share, write a review, do whatever you can to help us get it out there. So the more people can listen to it, the better. Thanks very much and bye.